Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Stories of the Magic. I'm Bill Rogers. And I'm Camille Dixon. Welcome. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 128 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you're new to Stories of the Magic, we are a positive and story-filled Disney podcast offering stories from cast members, Imagineers, artists, actors, and more, including guests, promoting a mutual love of Disney, celebrating and preserving the Disney magic and legacy, and inspiring people to live their dreams just as Walt Disney did. If that appeals to you or piques your curiosity, you're definitely in the right place, and I'm glad you're here. As you may know, July 14th to the 16th, 2017 was the D23 Expo. I was happily able to attend, though not as official media or press. Because of that, I wasn't able to get priority access to anything or set up interviews with anyone. In fact, two of my favorite presentations, The Power of the Princess on Saturday and the Hercules 20th Anniversary panel on Sunday, didn't allow recording at all. So I don't have any audio to share with you from those. However, I can't leave you empty-handed, my friend. So I do have two things for you. First, if you go to the Stories of the Magic Facebook page, I took a lot of photos wherever I could, mainly in the Parks and Resorts presentation and of the Star Wars Land, now called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, model. I will link to those photos in the show notes. Also, I recorded much of the Legend Ceremony. I don't camp out for the expo like some people do, but I did show up at about 6 o'clock in the morning to be sure I got a seat for this, as I do every year. I think it's one of the most important events at the expo. I did have to record this in segments and then put them together for the episode. Because of that, I missed the first little bit of a couple of the bio videos, but I got 99% of the audio, not counting the performances because really, who wants to just listen to people dancing? Even though this is different from what you usually get on this show, it is very much in the same spirit, bringing you the stories of people from throughout the company, what they did, why it matters to them, and why they love Disney. You're about to get an hour and 15 minutes or so of exactly that. Technically, this audio is long enough that I would have split it into two episodes, but I want you to have it all in one. It really does belong together. In this episode, we have the Legend Ceremony. The recipients are, in the order they appear in the audio, Oprah Winfrey, Gary Marshall, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, Jerry Geronimi, Manuel Gonzalez, Wayne Jackson, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Whoopi Goldberg, and Julie Taymor. If you don't know who some of those people are, just listen and the bio videos will give you a really good idea. Now, this is a very long episode, like I said, so we're going to skip the brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend and just turn the page and begin this story. and force of nature whose work has inspired millions around the world. Born into poverty in rural Mississippi to a single teenage mother, Oprah's unprecedented after launching her career in radio while still in college, she began a career in television, built upon her relatable personality and authentic confessional style. 
After years of hosting regional daytime television, Oprah landed her own daytime talk show. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and welcome to the very first National Oprah Winfrey Show! The show became a syndicated sensation, running for 25 seasons on hundreds of stations around the globe. <laughs> the larger her audience grew, the greater responsibility she felt to elevate the medium. The secret of that show for 25 years is that all over the world, people could see themselves in me. Going beyond tabloid topics and introducing literature, self-improvement, and spirituality, all the while giving her audiences more than they ever expected. You and this show have been the great love of my life. With the launch of Oprah's Angel Network, she empowered her viewers and fans to create positive global impact. The Angel Network is giving your charter schools one million. <laughs> Her Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa drew praise from Nelson Mandela and other world leaders. I knew from the moment that I met these girls that I was going to fall in love with them, and I did. Wherever the future of the world is decided, those girls will be sitting at the table. Her talents extended beyond the small screen. Miss it's always good to see you. She landed a breakout role in Steven Spielberg's The Color Purple. The performance earned her Academy Award and Golden Globe nominations. Her talents lit up the silver screen again in Beloved, which she produced and starred in for Disney's Touchstone Pictures. Her performance in Disney's The Princess and the Frog was lauded as an instant classic. That's all I want for you, sweetheart. To meet your Prince Charming and dance off into your happily ever after. She is currently set to star in Disney's much-anticipated A Wrinkle in Time. She made her work on Broadway as well, co-producing The Color Purple, which earned 11 Tony Award nominations in 2005 and Best Revival of a Musical in 2016. I would not be here if it was not for you. Oprah's influence expanded to include the successful launch of her monthly lifestyle magazine, Oh, The Oprah Magazine. Her dedication to empowering and uplifting her audience found a new form in 2011 with the launch of the Oprah Winfrey Network. A network that gets to carry your name and your heart's desire. Wow. I'm not defined by a show. I think we are defined by the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat other people. To the most wonderful person in the world, you represent the best of our country and you are a hero to mankind. The fact that I'm here matters. The fact that you're there matters. This is no accident. None of us are. greats in the field. She embodies the very spirit of creativity. More than that, she is authentic, generous, just extraordinary. And having worked with her for almost 30 years, I know her very well. And I can tell you that she is everything that you expect and more. And above all else, she's a true friend. Every part of her is authentic, sincere, and kind, and just so real. She's truly a force of nature who has touched the lives of people all over the world. And I've always been a great admirer and count myself so fortunate, so fortunate that I can consider her a great friend, something that I value beyond words. Today, we're proud to honor her, and 
I am proud to present this award to her. So please welcome Disney legend, Coco Winston. President Iger, uh, of all the people I've known, read about, met, heard of in the world, this man I hold in the highest regard. Just the highest regard. So, to receive an honor that I know that you had to okay means, <laughs> couldn't happen if you didn't say so means the world to me. I will tell you, I arrived early yesterday because I didn't want to have to fight the evening traffic, I didn't want to have to fight the morning traffic. And so I had time to go to a restaurant last night, so I had a choice between Goofy's Kitchen and um, the Steakhouse 55, so I chose Steakhouse 55. And as I was there, sitting, sitting alone, ordering, I had time to talk to my waiter, whose name was Steve. So I was getting Steve's story and I was saying, tell me, how long have you worked here? And Steve said, 42 years. Wow. And I said, Steve, 42 years. You've come in and out of that door for 42 years. He said, not exactly that door, but <laughs> there have been several doors. I said, how did you stay at this company for 42 years? He said, I thought, and found it to be the best place to let me be me. And I said, Steve, I felt the same way. I feel the same way about my work with Disney since 1984, launching the Oprah Winfrey Show. Every day, Disney, ABC7, let me be me. It was an honor, and I feel that uh, more than anything, being a legend, more than being a celebrity or being uh, awarded for notoriety, that really a legend is about the common experience that we all hold and share. And every day on that show, I was able to tell our common story. So I thank you for honoring what I consider to be sacred work and I treasure it, especially coming from you and Disney. Thank you so much. Gary Marshall, the nicest guy in Hollywood, spent more than half a century entertaining audiences around the world with heartwarming television series and beloved feature films. Born and raised in the Bronx, Gary's mother shaped his sense of humor with her charisma and wit. She said, don't be boring. You gotta make people laugh and smile and make them happy. And I said, I don't know what is boring. And she said, your father. Gary had a as a TV writer before his breakout success with the ABC hit, The Odd Couple. Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? This kicked off a string of audience favorites like ABC's Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, and Happy Days. Happy 
Dance Time was the show where the cast had the best chemistry on and off the stage. And off the stage was really a pleasure to be with these people. Gary brought his talents to the big screen, proving himself to be a successful director with fans and at the box office. Gary Marshall Helm, the instant classic, Touchstone's Pretty Woman. Enough cannot be said of my relationship with Gary Marshall and what that's done for me as a person. Just having the confidence to be funny and goofy. <laughs> We're starting the movie, exit to Who knows what it's about? Gary directed an abundance of blockbuster films, like Disney's Princess Diaries. Shut Gary was known to step in front of the camera as well, popping up in dozens of small roles in film and television. Gary, go long! He took his talents to the stage, directing plays and operas, and founding his own theater in Burbank. The bank is open! His mantra to anyone who was beginning to succeed in the business was, don't ever forget that life is more important than show business. And he lived that. Gary is known for always putting fun before business and his family style of directing and playfulness on set. <laughs> Gary's talent for heartfelt comedy created countless moments that the world will forever enjoy. Out of everything that you've done, what do you most want to be remembered for? That I made people laugh and made the, their day a little better. I don't, I always said, I don't, I don't know how to change the world, but I can change the day for you. <laughs> I make you laugh and happy one day. The world lost such a great man and a phenomenal talent with an incredible sense of humor when Gary left us this year. He made movies beloved by millions and created sitcoms that captivated audiences and captured the culture. His humor always had such a great heart, which is the hallmark of a master storyteller, and the reason his work continues to touch people even decades after it premiered. We're grateful for his many, many contributions to the Walt Disney Company over his incredible career. We're proud to honor him as a true Disney legend. So please join me in welcoming Gary's children, Scott and Kathleen Marshall. following Oprah. Good luck. <laughs> but uh, he took us to Disneyland a lot when we were kids, and uh, he would never go on the rides so much. He loved a bench, and there were plenty of benches at Disneyland. He once said, Walt understood a bench. And I guess Walt came up with the idea for Disneyland while sitting on a bench in Griffith Park. And Gary came up with a lot of jokes for his shows and scenes for his movies while sitting on those benches. And after he'd done a couple movies uh, at, uh, on the Disney lot, the studio gave him, which he loved, by the way, the studio gave him his own bench, the Gary Marshall bench. And it's on the corner of Minnie Mouse Boulevard and Dopey Drive. And he loved that bench. And after he died, we went there, and people had put flowers in it, little post-it notes that said, thank you. And um, so I think that Walt and Gary would both want you all to sit on a bench and daydream, because 
It might just change the world. So thank you so much. He would have been thrilled with this prestigious honor. He loved working for Disney. He thank you, Bob Iger. You were so supportive of him and Disney. He so much and he would have loved to be in the company of such incredible artists that are being honored today who were pa who are passionate about their work as he was so thank you so much jack kirby often referred to by his fans and peers as the king was one of the most pioneering comic creators of all time creating hundreds of new characters that leapt off the page, drafting new mind-blowing landscapes, and further defining what would be known as the Marvel Comics style. Kirby was born as Jacob Kurtzberg to Austrian Jewish immigrants. He developed an interest in drawing at an early age. He was mostly self-taught as an artist by studying comic strips and political cartoons. I just began to draw at a very, very young age. Superheroes uh, came very naturally to me because that particular form of prom seemed to represent what I liked about men and women in general. After creating the patriotic wartime hero Captain America with Joe Simon for Marvel's predecessor, Timely Comics, Kirby himself joined the war effort as a combat infantryman for the United States Army. After the war ended, Kirby returned to Timely Comics Marvel, reuniting with the now editor-in-chief, Stan Lee. Jack Kirby went back to his old stomping grounds, Timely Comics, and got together with Stan Lee and started to do comic books again. And that's the beginning of Marvel. Together, they created the Fantastic Four, this groundbreaking comic featured a super family with super problems of their own. The title became a commercial hit, redefining the modern comic book, and Marvel soon launched a new line of titles, with Kirby serving as an artist for most of them. I would have been proud to have said, Jack and I did the Fantastic Four and let it go with that, but my gosh, at the same time, we were doing Thor and we were doing the X-Men, and we were doing Sergeant Fury and Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Jack was equally good at every one of them. The Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, X-Men, the Avengers, the Inhumans, the Black Panther, the Silver Surfer. Kirby's imaginative mind and skilled pen gave life to hundreds of major and minor characters for Marvel Comics. His broad interests added a new dimension to comics, Cosmic spacescapes, mythological characters sparring across bizarre, mind-twisting panoramas. He was the most imaginative, inventive guy I've ever met. I mean, he, his imagination was incredible. The things he thought of. We all dream. Our dreams make us larger. We all want to see what's beyond all horizons. I believe it's part of the human makeup and I reflect that in my drawings. The visionary creations of Jack Kirby forever transformed the art of comics and gave birth to an entire universe of epic cinematic storytelling. I feel that story first. I know those people first. When I put them down, they've already lived.
Kirby was an industry icon. We define comics not only with his eye-popping artwork, but with his bold point of view of what comics could be. He was the creative genius behind a legion of compelling and enduring characters, as you just saw, who still beloved around the world. It's really impossible to convey his impact on the industry because his work is still inspiring and influencing artists today, and it will be for generations to come. We're proud to include Jack Kirby among our revered Disney legends. I'm pleased that his son Neil could join us for this celebration of Jack's career and to accept the award in his father's behalf. Thank you. extend our, um, especially our family's uh, condolences to Stan and his family um, on the loss of his And again, uh, first, uh, thank you, Mr. Iger, and to the Disney Award Selection Committee, um, all our friends at Marvel, John Cerulean, Dan Buckley, and David Bogart, um, my family, my wife Connie and daughter Jillian, and of course, all my father's thousands um, of fans that have stood by him and behind him for uh, well over seven decades. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Um, so uh, on behalf of uh, my sisters, Lisa, Barbara, Susan, and myself, we would like to thank everybody. Um, my father, I know, would be very humble and proud to uh, to accept this award, and he was probably the most humble person uh, on the face of the planet. Uh, I always like to say that uh, my father did not create superheroes. He didn't even create superhumans. Uh, he really just created super people, and uh, I just like to uh, again thank everybody, and certainly. Um, thank you for enjoying his incredible and staggering body of work um, that he produced. Thank you. Stan Lee, one of the most prolific and enduring comic creators of all time. Over the course of seven decades, Stan has helped create a universe of compelling characters, forming an endless all-star roster of heroes and villains. Fate came calling, and in the early 60s, Lee was called upon by his boss to create a series for Marvel Comics. I was always wanting to quit the comics at some point or other. I said to him, why don't you create characters that you like? The worst that will happen is you'll get fired and you want to quit anyway. So turn it out of your system. And that to me was a real epiphany. Lee did away with some of the usual comic conventions, creating a more realistic and relatable slate of superheroes. Stan teamed up with Jack Kirby to create the Fantastic Four in 1961. An explosion of new titles followed, as Stan co-created an enormous roster of Marvel characters, like The Amazing Spider-Man. Peter Parker came from an effort on my part, knowing how I hate teenage sidekicks. I said, what? why not have a teenager who's a hero? 
Stan gave his heroes real-world problems and human failings, firmly establishing the approach to storytelling Marvel would make forever famous. We have the juxtaposition of the bigger-than-life problem, as I say, and the very simple home life and family life that these characters have. Stan became Marvel's editorial director and publisher in 1972, and eventually was named Chairman Emeritus. In addition to publishing, Stan has appeared in some of the most popular films of all time, based on his work. I am so fired. He's appeared in nearly every Marvel film project. See, I don't consider them cameos anymore. I consider them supporting roles. <laughs> These cameos include Disney's animated feature, Big Hero 6. Son, Dad. Television shows such as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, animated programs like Phineas and Ferb, and Disney XD's Ultimate Spider-Man. Outside the superhero realm, he even pops up as a wedding guest in Disney's The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. I'd do better if you and I did married. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> everything I want to do. I've wanted to write, and I've written. I want to do more of everything I'm doing. Excelsior! Although we tried in that video, it is hard to define Stan Lee, who for seven decades has been so prolific, creating thousands of characters and countless stories. In the process, he's become a cultural icon. His countless fans see him as a beloved character, as you just saw in so many different Marvel movies. He's actually got some superpowers as well, or somewhat limitless in their nature. Certainly, his imagination is limitless, and he also has an unbelievable sense of fun. There is a twinkle in that guy's eye 24 hours a day. He's had a tremendous impact on the publishing world, but his influence goes so much further. Everything Marvel is today, including multiple TV series and an incredibly successful movie studio, is rooted in the work of Stan Lee and his co-creators. And so for all those reasons, we're proud to name Stan Lee a Disney legend for such an extraordinary career and so many great contributions. Ladies and gentlemen, Disney legend, Stan Lee. teenage boy, not even a teenager, a kid around eight or ten, who loved to read everything he could get his hands on. In those days, he read The Hardy Boys, Tarzan, Sherlock Holmes, 
little books he could buy inexpensively. One day in a bookstore, he saw a book that was an expensive book. It was what they would have called a coffee table book to him. It was called The Art of Walt Disney. I was that boy and I couldn't afford the book. And it drove me crazy. I wanted that book so badly. I saved my pennies and after a few months I bought The Art of Walt Disney. I loved that book so. I loved Walt Disney so. To me he was more than a man. He was he was an inspiration. He was something to reach for, to be like him. And to think that today I'm standing here in the house that Disney built and we've paid tribute to Jack. And, and now we're talking about all the things of Disney's. It is so thrilling, I can't tell you. And I thank you all, and I thank you, Bob, for having me. And of course, I can't leave without saying, Excelsior! <laughs> Geronimy. Clyde earned his first animation job while enrolled in night school studying art. His career kicked off producing short animations at William Randolph Hearst's International Film Service. In 1931, Clyde joined the Disney studio as an animator on a number of memorable shorts. Shorts helped launch Clyde's career in animation, setting him up to earn an Oscar a few years later after directing the Pluto short, Linda Paul. Who's it gonna be? You or him? After directing many notable shorts, Clyde made the leap to sequence direction, where he contributed to countless Disney classics. My George Bungo ate puppies! segments for the 1940s Disney package films, as well as Disney TV shows and the wonderful world of color. Now right here, half in a tight spot. These tough dogs had him down and he's really outnumbered. Now the problem is to get him out of this jam. Clyde was known for challenging artists creatively to get their best ideas and work. The pinnacle of Clyde's Disney career came when he served as supervising director for the masterpiece, Sleeping Beauty. After 28 years at Disney, Clyde made a move of heroic proportions. He directed dozens of cartoons for the UPA studio, starring Marvel superheroes like Spider-Man, Hulk, and Captain America before retiring. Clyde's vision inspired his team and forever impacted the world of entertainment and animation.
was truly a gifted director whose films have delighted generations of audiences around the world. His great talent and success helped build Disney's enduring reputation for creative excellence and further established our company as a leader in animated storytelling. He left a strong legacy at Disney and we remain immensely grateful for his many contributions throughout his career and we're proud to name Clyde Geronimi a Disney legend. So please join me in welcoming Clyde's children, Gary and Lynn, who will accept their father's legend award. here coming up from uh, from a really a hard life and he developed as my brother said a great deal of compassion and empathy especially for the underdog never had a bone of prejudices in the body he just loved working with people and he loved particularly working with animals he built a great sense of humor i saw this one sequence which is one of my favorite from lady and the tramp where we have that classic scene at tony's cafe Lady and the Tramp after first kiss. I mean, that was classic Disney, and that was classic Clyde Geronimi. He loved Disney. He loved, he said, Walt provided the best atmosphere and the best people to work with, and he was happy and proud that he worked with the best directors, the best animators, the best in-betweeners, the best, best story people, the best artists. He said it was just a great, great place to work. And so on behalf of my dad and my mom, who I wish could be here, but unfortunately they're gone, and on behalf of my whole family, I want to thank you, Bob. I want to thank the, the Disney Studio for, for recognizing him as, uh, with this Legends Award and recognizing him as uh, truly one of the best of the best, because that's what he was. Thank you, Kim. spent nearly four decades bringing laughter to readers in the Mickey Mouse Sunday comic. Born in 1913 in a small village in Zamora, Spain, Manuel's family made their way to New York City when he was 18 years old. From a young age, Manuel aspired to be an illustrator, 
When not helping out at his family's market, he attended the National Academy of Design. Although his talent was obvious, his career at Disney began quite by chance. My grandfather, I guess, was coming home from work one evening and saw a flyer on the telephone pole. It said, artist wanted. Tore it down, brought it home, gave it to my father, uh, which then got him to go apply for the job at Disney. So he brought his portfolio down. Evidently, it, it was impressive enough where they offered him a job and he was asked to report to Hollywood in a couple of weeks. Upon arrival, Manuel went to work on the first animated full-length motion picture, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Manuel's work drew the attention of legendary Mickey Mouse comic strip artist, Floyd Gottfriedson. Soon, Manuel took over the Sunday Mickey Mouse strip permanently. He carried the Sunday page, drew it week after week after week. Mickey had become a regular god. He lived in a house, he had friends and neighbors, and Manuel Gonzalez did a, a wonderful job of presenting that character, as well as many other comic strip characters, to the public. Beyond Mickey Mouse, Manuel's broad range made him invaluable to Disney, rendering a variety of characters with a soul and spirit true to their personality. Mischievous, majestic, playful, perturbed. I think there are a lot of facets of, of Mickey that I could say probably were mirrored in my father. When my father was young, he liked adventure. He rode a motorcycle. He and his friend used to fly uh, biplanes. And I think probably more than anything else, we'd be having dinner and it would be quiet and i'd look up and i would just see him smiling at us manuel was presented a mouse car award for his company accomplishments by walt disney himself in 1966. he felt himself very fortunate to have the job that he did he was a very humble guy and he really admired the work of so many of his peers and although he shied away from the spotlight the work manuel gonzalez created was welcomed in the hearts and homes of millions of people around the world i guess i was grateful to have uh, been in the same environment with uh, the breaks in the industry you know so i was grateful for that He'd been saving his money and he decided he was going to finally buy himself a car. 
1939 Packard convertible. He didn't know at the time that Walt drove a 1938 Packard convertible, the same color. You know where this is going. <laughs> so he drives the car into the studio the next day, and the guard at the gate, who was apparently looking more at the car than at the driver, uh, waved my father into a prime spot. So my dad didn't think anything of it. He parked in the spot, went up to his office, and started his day. About 10 minutes later, the guard rushes into my dad's office and says, Man, you have to move your car. You're in Walt's spot. So my dad hurries downstairs and moves the car. And as he turns around to go back up into his office, he sees Walt standing there tapping his foot. So he apologizes and he expects to be scolded. But instead, he said Walt put his arm around him and smiled and said, I think maybe I'm paying my artist a little too well. <laughs> but then he walked him up to his office and proceeded to tell everyone in the department about the wise guy who parked in the spot. <laughs> and for years after that, uh, it became a running joke between he and my dad. When he'd see my dad around the studio, he'd stop and say, Manuel, what kind of car are we gonna buy next? <laughs> but in reality, my dad was a very regular guy. He acted like a regular guy, and that's how his friends and we, his family, saw him, uh, in addition to being a world-class father. So, um, with that, I would like to just say, he, I wish he and my mother were here to take all this in. He would be very grateful, as it's his family. Thank you very much. Many of the most beloved attractions in Disney parks around the world have been made even more magical with the technical wizardry of Imagineer, Wayne Jackson. Wayne began his Walt Disney Imagineering career as the very first employee hired to WED's manufacturing and production arm in 1965 on one of the last attractions Walt Disney himself personally oversaw. One of the first jobs I remember was we built the prototype auctioneer for pirates. Wayne's ingenuity in the development of audio animatronics created a rich fantasy world filled with entertaining and unbelievably lifelike characters. You know, Walt wanted a shop where anybody could do anything. And we developed the skins, the flexible face skins and the hand skins. And, you know, they said it couldn't be done. We didn't know different, so we did it. Wayne brought his expertise east to Orlando, Florida, as the installation supervisor for Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, and spent seven years as a manager of the show mechanical and plastics manufacturing departments. The best of Walt Disney's dream will come true amidst the timeless beauty and rich culture of Japan. Wayne traveled even farther east in 1981, relocating to Japan to help create Tokyo Disneyland. It's a beautiful day here in, in Tokyo Disneyland. It's a sparkling day. I think this is probably one of the best records that we've ever had in opening a theme park. There, he became the director of show and ride production, manufacturing, and installation. To see the real thing come to life and the detail that's been put into this park, it is more magnificent than anything I'd imagined. Known for his patience, kindness, and thoroughness, he trained both Imagineering and Oriental Land Company staff during the production and fabrication of Tokyo Disneyland attractions. You're looking at the most ambitious new theme park in the world, Disney Sea, Tokyo. 
Wayne later served as director of show systems for the construction of Tokyo Disney Sea as his final assignment before retiring. All told, Wayne devoted more of his career working on Disney's Tokyo projects than any other Imagineer. Wayne spent 37 years as an Imagineer, bringing the breath of life to Disney characters and inspiring wonder for visitors at parks and resorts around the world. There's something new every day. There's new challenges. There's new things that you're going to become involved with. And, uh, you look forward to coming to work every morning. producing and manufacturing some of the most exciting attractions and adventures in our theme parks around the world. He helped build and install many of the iconic features that have thrilled generations of guests and made it easier for us to keep them running in every park to the delight of millions and millions of visitors. His true impact and influence is measured in the countless smiles and memories of the families who visit our parks every day it's been 15 years since he retired from Disney, but his work continues to be a great source of fun and joy. That lasting legacy makes his many contributions to our company priceless. It also makes him a Disney legend. So please welcome Disney legend, Wayne Jackson. Thank you. Carrie Fisher, actress, 
Author, playwright. This is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> Screenwriter. These are businessmen. They have no knowledge of creative personalities. An outspoken advocate. If you declare something, it has less power over you. Far less. Say your weak things in a strong voice. Daughter of show business royalty, Carrie stepped into the spotlight at age 15, making her Broadway debut with her mother, actress and entertainer Debbie Reynolds. Carrie earned her first major film role in the comedy Shampoo, but it was 1977's Star Wars that catapulted her to international fame. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? The brash Princess Leia Organa made Carrie an overnight symbol of empowerment. What the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our skins. Carrie broke the mold of Hollywood starlet and established herself as witty, opinionated, and bold, both on and off screen. Short for a stormtrooper. Carrie continued with Disney family comedy, Sunday Drive. You are a kidnapper, aren't you? I knew it. Kidnapper? <laughs> Carrie's on-camera career thrived with a multitude of parts in popular films over the years. I've got the perfect guy. I don't happen to find her attractive, but you might. She doesn't have a problem with chance. As an author, Carrie satirized the underbelly of show business, exposing her own flaws in the process. She bared her soul to the world, always brave and outspoken about her personal struggles. I have my areas of certainty and then I have my areas of self-doubt. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or puts you on a talk show. Carrie's sharp wit and sense of humor made her a sought-after Hollywood script doctor with uncredited contributions to popular films. It's Peter Pan. In 2015, she returned to the role that made her career in Star Wars The Force Awakens. No matter how much we fought, I've always hated watching you leave. She was very strong, very smart, very funny. There are not very many people like her. I'm the best friend you can have because I'm loyal, because I'm alert, because I'm fierce, because I will go the distance with you. May the force be with you. She will always hold a very special place in our hearts and the hearts of fans around the world. We all miss her talent, her wit, and her friendship. She certainly left a mark on the world and on our company. This December, we will release her final film, Star Wars The Last Jedi. And as always, she brought her trademark strength, her heart, and her humor to the role is a truly, truly legendary performance. Carrie Fisher was an original, and there never will be another. We are very fortunate to have known her, to have honored her for her work. Certainly, we're fortunate to have worked with her. We're incredibly proud to call her a Disney legend. Carrie's daughter, Billy Lord, could not be with us today, but she sent a letter for me to share with all of you. As far back as I can remember, my mom and I have been Disney fanatics. I was so obsessed with Ariel that I wanted to change my name. And we went to Disneyland so much that I now realize she might have even loved it more than I did. So becoming a part of the Disney family was truly an amazing moment for her. 
She secretly always wanted to be a Disney princess, so getting to be a Disney princess and a Disney legend would have been her ultimate dream. I wish I could be there to accept this award on her behalf, but I'm fortunately currently working on American Horror Story. I am beyond grateful to Mr. Iger and everyone at Disney for this incredible honor. Thank you again, and may the force be with you always. Carrie, may the force be with you. Mark worked for General Hospital, 
were for all my children and one life to live. <laughs> I, I think neither of us imagined that we'd wind up where we are today, but Mark, I think we did okay. <laughs> Throughout his career, Mark's performances have captivated audiences around the world. But for the diehard Star Wars, Star Wars fans, he certainly is revered as Luke Skywalker. The world has held its breath for his return to that iconic role since that last scene in The Force Awakens, <laughs> that last few moments. Having seen his performance, his entire performance in The Last Jedi, I can tell you, it was worth the wait. We're thrilled to have that incredible franchise at Disney and very proud that Mark is part of the Disney family. So please welcome Disney legend, Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Up this one. Uh, honestly, I, I tried to think of what I could say to express my gratitude, and it's it's impossible. I I thought of uh, that quote by baseball great Lou Gehrig: "Today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth." Um, it's true. George Lucas, or I'm going to be standing here. Beyond George, the thousands of people that worked on those films behind the camera, in front of the camera, would the movies be as impactful without the brilliance of John Williams' music? I don't think so. So I was taught that uh, in theater school that that theater is a composite art, and I've certainly learned over the years how lucky I have been to work with some of the best there are. Um, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank the fans who have support and affection over the years. It's just astonishing to me. They make you feel like you're part of their family and so many stories from kids that saw the original films growing up now, sharing it with their young children, very much in the style of the Disney animated classics. So it was a particular thrill. Hey, I was thrilled when Star Tours opened. <laughs> Anything that I was even remotely connected to is now an attraction at the greatest theme park on the planet. I mean, And, and, you know, to give the company its due, I have been a Disney fan as long as I can remember. Those comic strips were delivered to my front door on a daily basis. Sundays were extra special with the multi-tiered big cartoons all in full color. Uh, Disney provided me a tutorial 
of how I could make my dreams come true by lifting the curtain. I mean, I, I, I haven't even started grade school when I saw uh, Clarence Nash recording a, a Donald Duck cartoon and a light bulb went off in my head. This man gets up every morning, kisses his wife goodbye, drives to the studio, and makes Donald Duck cartoons. I want that job. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do a horrible Donald Duck. <laughs> but like I say, the, the making of aspect of the Disney programs, the making of Toby Tyler, of Babes in Toyland, of Darby O'Gillum and Little People, he lifted the curtain. No other studio did that. And in my young brain, I thought, there's a path to achieve what I want, which is a career in the entertainment industry. Uh, so I am forever grateful for that uh, learning process that was provided by Walt Disney. I'm so proud to be able to be here with my family, my wife Mary Lou, my daughter Chelsea, my son Nathan. Griffin is a, a martial arts instructor. He teaches children of martial arts and uh, I'm proud of him for uh, uh, putting his students first. He, he couldn't be here today. But to establish my Disney uh, credentials uh, as a fan, Nathan's middle name is Elias, and that's no accident. Uh, so thank you, Walt Disney, for telling me that if I wished upon a star, my dreams really could come true. And finally, I would love to give my deepest respects for the super cool spaces I have in Carrie Francis Fisher. I loved her. And we were like siblings, the good and the bad. We have huge fights and not speak to him. You're such a phony. <laughs> but we loved each other, and what a great thrill it was to come back in The Force Awakens at, at that time in our lives. Uh, there was a comfort level with each other. We could rely on each other, and there was a deep respect. I know if she were here this morning, she would have flipped me the bird at least twice already. <laughs> so thank you all so much. I, 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 I'm, I'm so humbled and so grateful, and I... I I love you all. Thank you. And I believe I promise you some surprises. Many of them will come uh, over the weekend. But here's uh, the first one. And dance you feel An outstanding actress, an opinionated talk show powerhouse, an award-winning producer. Whoopi Goldberg has found a nearly direct route to celebrity, all the while charting her own unique course. Born and raised in New York, Whoopi absorbed the diverse culture and characters of her surroundings, which she would draw from in her budding acting career. At the time, people didn't really think young women of color could do a lot. I know that I had to write a show so they could see what I was capable of doing. Whoopi created a one-woman show, playing a diverse cast of characters. Okay, this turtle hunt comes over to me, and he goes like, Hi! And I was totally not ready for like this heavy conversation. <laughs> its critical acclaim propelled her to Broadway. 
A Grammy Award-winning album and TV special followed, establishing Whoopi as a tour de force talent and bringing attention from Hollywood. Everything you've done to me, already done to you. Her performance in Steven Spielberg's The Color Purple earned her a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. Molly, you a danger girl. She continued to rise in Hollywood with her role in Ghost as Oda Mae Brown, a role which won her an Academy Award. She went on to star in Touchstone's blockbuster comedy, Sister Act. I got the flow, y'all gotta go, so go get your bag so we can go, holla! The film was so successful, she returned for Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Whoopi continued to work with Disney in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella and A Night in Camelot. Oh, you're all gonna be fantastic! She has also ventured into voiceover. Why'd you want me to come out looking like you? One of her most iconic Disney roles was the sharp-tongued hyena Shenzi in The Lion King. Ladies and gentlemen, Whoopi Goldberg! In 1994, she became the first African-American woman to host the Academy Awards. Oh, baby, that's why they call it The View. That's why they call it The View. Since 2007, Whoopi has been a co-host on ABC's The View. Here's my question. Why is this a conversation that we only have once a year? Her bold and opinionated voice won her a Daytime Emmy in 2009. Whoopi has long been recognized for her extensive humanitarian efforts. I'm not going to say anything until I know that we have a treatment and a cure. She played LGBT activist Pat Norman in the ABC miniseries, When We Rise. Whoopi Goldberg's career has been filled with grand entrances and star turns, all the while delivering no less than her honest, authentic self. If you're comfortable with going against the grain. That's the price. The price of being yourself is, you know, uh, other people's angst. That's what we want when I think. contributions span the entire company. She has brought characters to life in some of the biggest animated movies of all time, both the Pixar and Disney animation. She's a movie star with the talent to deliver iconic performances that endure. She's a fixture on television with a range that extends from leading the discussion of important issues every day on The View, tour de force performances as the host of the Academy Awards, setting an impossible standard for everyone unlucky enough to follow her in that role. She's also voiced a park attraction for us as well, and brought Disney's sister act from the screen to the live stage. She can do it all, and she does it all extremely well. We wanted to honor her for a long time, and we're thrilled that the stars and the planets finally aligned so that we can publicly celebrate and honor her many contributions to the Walt Disney Company. So please welcome Disney legend, Whoopi Goldberg. So, 
choose specifically for today. Uh, because once I asked if Minnie's shoes ever got retired, and they were like, no, and you're never going to get them. <laughs> so, I got these instead. Oh. These are made by Irregular Choice, who made a, a brilliant uh, thing with you guys. And they're making wonderful Disney things. And, you know, I have been a Disney person since I was little because when you live in a project and you had a black and white TV, you knew what you were going to see every week. So every Sunday, the wonderful world of Walt Disney would come on. And I was born the same year the park opened, so I've always felt like it was home. And my mother always said, you know, one day I'm going to take you kids. And she told you this story, Oprah, I think, when we, once when we were all together, about how she always wanted to take us as a parent what you want to do. And instead I got to take her because for me, it meant that we were okay. Because Disney made you feel that no matter where you came from, you were welcome. And I like that. And that's what I always wanted. And I wish that my mom were here and my brother were here because, Bob, you have no idea when we did California Adventure, I had a giant head. Two giant whoopee heads. The fear of every studio. And they came alive when you came in and I told you about California. And I was in the Star Wars tours. Yeah, cool, thank you. But my connection here has always meant the world to me and it's always meant family and I, and seeing Carrie and remembering Carrie, what Carrie did for us on Sister Act. I mean, listen, I've been here a long time. I'm thrilled. Thank you for letting me be a legend. I'll try not to mess it up. <laughs> and thank you all. And, but really, Bob, because Oprah's right, this wouldn't happen without you. Thank you so much. artist who has tirelessly explored the fundamental components of storytelling and fearlessly combined them into potent new forms. I think most people try and protect themselves and don't take risks. I find that boring in life. Julie spent her formative years traveling the world and learning new forms of theater. Storytelling through puppetry and mask work would become a trademark of her future productions. Synthesizing these timeless techniques for new audiences brought new life to Broadway, but not without risk. I want to make people see something that they didn't know that they were going to see or didn't know they even wanted to see. Julie's Broadway re-envisioning of Disney's The Lion King opened to critical acclaim and box office success, bringing audiences an experience they'd never before seen. We had our first performance, and the audience started screaming, just yelling and screaming through the whole thing. But whenever they liked something, we just broke into tears. It's one of the highest-grossing musicals of all time, with runs in nearly 100 cities around the globe. 
The musical received 11 nominations and won six Tony Awards. Julie won for Best Costume Design, shared a win for Best Original Score, and became the first woman in theatrical history to receive the award for Best Direction of a Musical. Oh, this is just spectacular, spectacular! Julie then turned her visionary talents to the big screen with artistic and experimental masterpieces. She has a powerful vision, and lo and behold, she produces it. stage to the silver screen, Julie Taymor continues to be a creative force, bringing her legendary vision to life as an artist, director, and writer for audiences around the world. The actual creation that you're creating is sometimes it actually goes into what's going on in that person's life or that family's life and transforms them. Julie's impact on our company and our theatrical legacy. Her groundbreaking work to bring The Lion King to life on stage is just as awe-inspiring today as it was on opening night two decades ago. And there have been thousands of productions on stages since then, each bringing that incredible sense of wow and wonder to audiences. I've personally been to opening nights of Lion King in New York, Los Angeles, London, Paris, Johannesburg, most recently, Shanghai, where we premiered the first ever Mandarin production of this Disney classic as part of our grand opening celebration for the Shanghai Disney Resort, a historic moment that I got to share with Julie. She not only changed the face of Broadway with her creative design and innovative techniques, but she gave us a whole new way to tell some of our greatest stories, and for that, we will be forever grateful. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce all of you, Disney legend, Julie today. Haven't been to Disneyland in 30 years though, so I'm gonna have a good time this afternoon. Uh, the Lion King. It's, it's been the privilege as an artist, it's, it's, it's a privilege that every artist would want, which is to be able to take this beautiful, stunning story from an animated film, thanks to all of you at Disney, Tom Schumacher, Eisner, Bob Iger, everybody, who invited me on this journey and took the risk with somebody who hadn't proven themselves in a commercial arena. Took the risk, let me take this beautiful story and change it into something that is theater, pure theater. We're now, we've been seen by over 90 million people across the world. On every continent, but Antarctica. And I don't think the penguins need us. <laughs> at all. But I wanted to tell you just two quick stories because it's been a long morning, but I would really love to tell these because only we who work on The Lion can get to experience these behind-the-scenes stories. Actually, Oprah was there in South Africa, and it was amazing. 
But these are some of the other things that I think Disney, I want to really bring out that I, that I think is so superb and important about what Disney means in the world. We were in South Africa. We were really excited to bring the show back there to do it with an all South African cast in Johannesburg. And this was a number of years ago. And we were casting and looking for Timon and Pumbaa. And sometimes you fall into practice of, okay, this is a black character, this is gonna be cast with a white cast. We, you know, we got used to our Timon and Pumbas. We'd only done a few shows. And at this point, the best actors for these two parts were a young black man from a township and a white Afrikaners guy from Cape Town. Now, if any of you know this, this is two distinctly different groups of people with a very serious history. Now they come and they're Timon and Pumbaa. I know Timon's green, but he's behind that. There is a, an African black man and there is behind the purple and the white of Pumbaa, there is this, this other man. They were playing Timon and Pumbaa as best friends. Outside, they were outcasts, right? They were outcasts, but they were best friends. They missed apartheid. Now, we can talk about this. We don't know what this means exactly in America, but we do. But this was something special for the audiences in South Africa. This was something so specific to that production. And I want to tell you, that is what is so inspiring to me. When I love to entertain. It is fantastic to do beautiful, theatrical, fun, superlative visuals and all of that. But the thing that means the most to us in the Lion King family, and I think what is great about this company, is when it allows us to act as healers. So one last story I have to tell you, because the man who told me this story is in the audience today. This was about a year after we opened in, in, in New York, and it was pre-Hamilton. We were the pre-Hamilton, couldn't get a ticket for a long time. <laughs> and there was a family that bought tickets for themselves and their two children, a little boy and a little girl, and they bought them way in advance, and that year, unfortunately, the little girl died. And her younger brother was waiting to see the show. The family didn't want to go, they'd been in mourning for a month, but everybody encouraged them to take this child and go see the Lion King. So they come to the point where Simba asks his father, well, in a way he asks him, if he'll always be there for him. And Fossa says to the child, look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down from us, look down upon us from those stars. They live in you, they live in me. They're watching over everything we see. And that child, that little boy, turned to his parents at that point, during the drama, during the song, and he said, Sarah's with us, isn't she? Sarah, his sister, she's with us. Now when I hear that, I think that's when we're doing our job. That is a big part of our job, is to make you laugh and smile and have the good times. But we as artists, what we were born here, why we're here on this planet, what art does, what it can do, is unify. And in this time and in this day, when we're all looking to see who is the outsider, the enemy, the other, 
what we do with what we have as artists and what we've been able to do in this family at the Lion King with the help of you, with the support of you, and thank you, Bob, for that, and Tom Schumacher, who is out here today. We are really doing what we have to do as artists and entertainers, and I am so honored to be a Disney legend and feel old enough. <laughs> thank you. That brings us to the end of this week's show. I hope you enjoyed this audio from the D23 Expo 2017 Legends Awards. Next time, we're going back to our traditional format with an interview with a former longtime Imagineer, but I may also have a special bonus in that episode with a little more audio from the Expo, if I can clean it up enough for you. Now again, since we're running long, we're going to skip the tip or tidbit from this week. Hopefully you picked up a couple from what you just heard. However, in lieu of most of what I usually ask for, I have a different request today. At the Expo, I had the chance to chat with Bill Rogers and Camille Dixon, former guests on the show and the voices of Disneyland and Disney California Adventure, respectively. I'd like to have them back on the show, and they want to come back, but we don't want to retread the same ground from before, or that everyone else does with them. So we're coming to you. We want to answer your questions. So what would you like us to talk about, topics and or specific questions? Send an email, leave a comment on this episode's show notes or Facebook post, tweet the show, or even leave a voicemail. However you want to do it, let us know what you want us to talk about. You can email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com, call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic, on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in Apple Podcasts, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, Stitcher Smart Radio, or through Google Play Music. If you like the show, please rate and review it in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. It really helps, and thank you to those who have done so since the last episode. I'll mention your reviews next time when we have more time. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode or any episode. While you're there, you can check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.